Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week we have lots of wonderful emailed questions and stories to share with you guys. So we just hope you're having a wonderful week and can take some time out of your busy schedule to join us around the illusionary table of friendship here and listen as we hear from all of you who have taken time out of your day to share with us. We've got some really good questions this week, Denise. We do. I was reading through them and it's a real wide range, which is fantastic. I know. Do you want to start us off with the first one? Sure. Uh, Good morning. I have an Archangel Raphael story to share. It's pretty raw and a little embarrassing. I've struggled with an addiction to pain pills off and on for about 10 years. To the naked eye, I seem like your average mom and wife. I was raising kids, working, house chores, laundry, cooking, errands, etc. I started really opening up to spirituality in September of 2018, but was still struggling with the pain pills. I'd heard about Archangel Raphael assisting with those who struggle with addiction, and I felt desperate. I knew it was holding me back from my healing and spiritual connection. I started to talk to Archangel Raphael several times a day, asking for his assistance, and I set up a crystal grid by my bed for healing addiction. One morning, about two days into this routine, I prayed that if I didn't touch a pain pill, to please not let me feel the symptoms of withdrawal. Long story short, I haven't taken a pain pill since that day and have been sober a year. I've always thought that angel thing was silly, but my life was truly changed that day. Thank you. Uh, Wow. And first and foremost, from my soul, congratulations on your sobriety. I think if anyone has had addiction issues or has been caring for someone with addiction issues or has people in their lives, it's a living hell. It's Mm -hmm. an absolute living hell for everyone, and it causes a big ripple effect. So it's interesting that prayer and asking for help was such a significant part of her healing. Beautiful way to start the show. It really is, and it's such a testimony not only to her and her strength, because I think it takes a lot of strength just to ask that prayer. You know, I mean, when you surrender yourself and say, I can't do this anymore, you have to take this from me, that takes so much strength. And then to go through the process of one day at a time saying no to the illusionary relief that that pain pill provides is just a huge thing. And I'm so happy that she's on her path. And I'm so grateful that Raphael was able to help her. And I really hope that by her having the courage to share this with us, that other listeners who may be dealing with something similar will think, huh, maybe I'll give that Archangel Raphael guy a try. Exactly. Okay, our next one says, Hi, Samantha and Denise. First off, love your show. I'm currently listening to your brand new episode about Archangels. There's a question I've been wanting to ask for a while, but once I heard this podcast, I knew I wanted to reach out. Maybe six or eight months ago, I started trying to get to know my spirit guide's name, and instantly I heard Gabriel, Gabrielle, or Gabriella. I couldn't figure out which one it was, and I couldn't tell if it was male or female. I tried making sure that I wasn't just making my name up out of my own imagination many times to see if a different name came to mind. And every time I would meditate and ask my spirit guide's name, I kept hearing Gabrielle, Gabriella. It wasn't until later that I learned about archangels, and that one is Archangel Gabriel. I often see flashes of light sometimes being pure white or violet, and I'm wondering, is it possible for your spirit guide to be an archangel? Or is it possible that an archangel could be hanging around a person like myself more often than others, 
without being called most times because he or she is trying to help me with a specific issue. I have a second question about angels. I've always believed that angels and demons walked among us. I'm not sure if that was put into me by religion, but I was never a really religious kid, so I don't believe so. It's probably because I've been intuitive and an empath for as long as I can remember. Even as a kid, anytime I'd see someone's face well, and walk past them or just hear their voice, I instantly know if they're a good person or a bad person, and I know information about them that I couldn't have otherwise known without my intuition. It wasn't until recently that I discovered it's an intuitive ability. I have times in my life where I've encountered a random stranger that left me feeling like it must have been an angel. They just had a purity about them and a happiness you don't see, feel, or experience often. And at the same time, I've encountered a few other instances, unfortunately, people that have this incredible darkness and evilness about them that it actually affected my body and instantly makes my heart race. I start to sweat, my stomach turns, and I have to get away from that person as fast as I can. So my question is, do you believe that angels and demons walk the earth and look like humans? All right, well, let's start with question one, Denise, and then we'll move to question two. I think that um, we can have spirit guides who have a name like Gabrielle or Gabriel. I think that's a fairly common name. So it could just be that her spirit guide is trying to tell her his her name is Gabrielle or Gabriel. Uh, I do think that the archangels reach in and help us, as we heard in the first question that we started the show with. But I don't believe that archangels are, are specific spirit guides to us. I think they have really, really big jobs. And to just check in with one person throughout the whole life, I just don't think that's in their wheelhouse. What do you think? I agree. I think that, well, you've talked about this in other shows of the tiered system of the angelic realm. And with my religious background, what you're saying resonates as well. I always equate the archangels with asking for big help. You know, you ask Archangel Michael to cut cords. You ask Archangel Raphael to help with darkness and, you know, the dark night of the soul of addiction. Um, So I I think I agree with you that they have specific jobs. And even though we may align with one more personally with our own energy or belief system, I don't think we're assigned a one-on-one. Right. I don't either. And I I do think Gabrielle and Gabriel are really common names. I mean, I've known several Gabriellas. You've known Gabe's. I, you know, I think it could just be her spirit guide's name. Do I think angels and demons walk among us? Maybe. I'm not sure about that. I do think that there are people we would call earth angels who just have such a purity and an innocent light about them, who are just high vibrating souls that they feel like angels. And I do believe that there are some people who are so negative that they do feel evil but I don't right. know that they'd be demonic. Well, so we're, we're talking about, are, we, are there other beings incarnate on the planet who aren't human beings who may be here to help? And could that be from the angelic realm? Certainly. Could it be from other, you know, uh, planes of existence? Probably. I think that that's one of those things that is, it's the gray it's the gray area it's the shadows we don't really know but i believe what resonates with you most in your heart and if you feel that connection to the angelic realm or that protection or that you know all the times all the stories we've had all the things we've read we've all all heard this of you know someone came out of nowhere and helped me or someone 
Do I think they can pop in and out? I certainly do. Are they here you all know, the but, time? I don't know why they'd want to be, but <laughs> that's just my opinion. <laughs> here's the rub for me, though. I think we humans are so quick to discount ourselves for good or bad. If you look at cultures and myths throughout ancient civilizations up to today, whenever someone does something truly evil, we always will say, oh, he was possessed or she has a demon in her. And when humans do something miraculously wonderful and amazing, they think, oh, well, she just got a shot of adrenaline because she's a mom. That's how she was able to do that heroic feat or he walks in the path of Christ. That's how he was able to be so kind. I don't think we should discount us as humans. We can be angelic and we can be very, very negative. And so I think very often what we might think is a visit from an angel or something worse is really just the spectrums of humanity. That's a good way to put it. Very interesting topic, though. Yeah. Uh, our next one, when I heard you talk about downplaying good news when sharing it with certain people, I understood why you might advise doing that, but I also d disagreed with it. Every week you end your show by telling us to share our light. We shouldn't have to dim our light just because it makes some people uncomfortable. Softening the, the effect that we think our good news will have on someone else is just another form of people-pleasing, a habit that many of us empaths are, are working to break. I completely understand not sharing some news with certain people as a choice for protecting ourselves, but why do we need to take on the responsibility of protecting someone else from feeling triggered about a success in our own lives? Samantha's example of how she shared her exciting news about getting an agent with a writing friend was, I think, a good example of an exception to this. But even then, she didn't downplay it. She just gave her friend encouragement and assured her that she was still there to support her. As a community of empaths, let's support each other in being brave enough to truly let our light shine, rather than give advice on how to make other people feel better. We're already pretty good at that. And this goes along with what I say to a lot of people, and what I truly believe is anything that I can do to raise my vibration and help someone else raise theirs is truly going to cause a ripple effect that's going to help with the healing we all need as people, but also that the planet needs right now. My personal take on this is having been so highly sensitive my entire life, it's hard for me to cause any kind of pain for someone else. And I'm not saying to downplay what's going well in our lives, but not at the cost of someone else feeling bad. Right. So I guess I am a people pleaser. No, no, you're not, Denise. I think it's all context. Yeah. You know, it really is. If someone comes to you and they're like, I just had the crappiest day and I feel like shit about myself because A, B, and C is going on. And then they pause and say, well, enough about me. How are you? And you start in with how fantastic and amazing and splendidious your life is going. I don't know that that's the right context to share that. I agree. And so I think it's just, yeah, we should share our good news and we should be proud of ourselves. And I do think empaths need to work on that, on, on reveling in our own light. But I do agree that it has to be in the right context. And I also do absolutely love what she said about, you know, do whatever you can to raise your, to raise your light, to shine your light, to share your light. I think that that is beautiful, beautiful advice for all of us to take right now. I agree. Okay, our next one says, hello, I recently discovered your podcast and I'm really loving all the information. Well, thank you. 
I was wondering if you had any suggestions about my work. I am a 911 dispatcher. Well, God bless you. I think that would be such a hard job, Denise. Oh, very much so, yes. An average day is filled with accidents, crises, several police vans chattering away, sirens going off, and trying to keep up with about 15 things happening at once. On top of that, I have some really toxic co-workers who are negative, cliquish, and gossipy, as if our job isn't hard enough. I love my job. I love being there for people, anticipating the needs of my units out in the field, especially since I have health issues now that make working on patient care really difficult. But how can I protect myself from all the emotional AK-47s going off around me from callers, the general environment with noise pollution, and my junior high coworkers? Junior high coworkers. I like that phrase. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, I just want to say we should all include 911 dispatchers in our prayers. Like whenever we pray for first responders, I don't know about you, Denise, but anytime I hear a siren or an ambulance, I always pause in whatever I'm doing you know, driving in the car to just send out a Hail Mary to them. I always make the sign of the cross. Yeah. Always. Always, and I think always. we need to include the dispatchers in there too because it is such a stressful job and they rarely get the credit they deserve. You know, if you listen to some of their recorded calls, if you watch crime news shows, you'll hear how calm they are through it all and I don't, I don't know how they do that. Um, one thing I would suggest is having completely separate worlds in your life. Now, I only say that as the former wife of a police officer for 20 years. And I, I mean, it is miraculous what these people can do. Mike would be sitting at a restaurant with three little kids and me, and he'd be in uniform because he'd meet us for dinner when he worked night shift. And he'd have the radio, you know how it's pinned to like their lapel mm -hmm. or shoulder thing. And he'd be carrying on a full conversation with us, catching the pacifier as it fell midair. And then I'd see him dip his chin to the shoulder and answer a, a call. And then he'd stand up and go, all right, there's a blah, 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 letter, letter, letter on this address. I got to go. Love you guys. Bye. And I don't know how he was able to hear the radio, talk to me, and interact with the kids. It's something that all those people can do, and it's why I applaud all of them. However, when he would come home from work, to my chagrin, he wouldn't talk about work. That was in the police car. That was it. He'd take off that uniform and he was not a police officer. And I think that saved him. I think that's what made him such a strong, great poli police officer. And I think anyone who works in a stressful job needs to do that to some degree as well. I don't think it has to be that black and white. But to have that ability to just say, I'm going to leave that there and do something completely distracting and different from what you're dealing with at work, whether it's playing with your kids or going to play golf or going for a run or just sitting down and vegging a stupid reality show, but just taking a complete break every single day within your day from the chaos you deal with, I think would be my first advice. My second tip I think could help possibly is really studying psychic protection shields and playing around with ones that work best for you. I have found that when I'm around junior high coworkers, <laughs> putting the mirror shield around me where I just deflect all their stuff back to them helps me a lot. But sometimes a cactus shield helps. And that's when I just literally visualize myself sitting inside a cactus. And that way, I'm not very appealing to people. They can feel that. It's all done in your imagination. So I know half of you are thinking, what the hell is she talking about now? 
but it really does work. If you just visualize a cactus shield around you, people respond and they'll kind of back off. And sometimes at work in these situations, that's exactly what you need is for people to just back off. I'd also recommend that she carry really good grounding protective stones like black kyanite or numite or shungite or get a big chunk of black tourmaline and just keep it on her desk right by all those calls coming in. What do you think? I love all of your suggestions and a really easy, practical thing to do that I have done many times. And it's going to sound a little silly. When you get home, change your clothes. Change out of your work clothes and change into something that signals your brain and your life, oh, I'm not at work right now. Or it can be you change your shoes or you take your shoes off for you, but do something physical with your body to mark that transition. And it, it sounds silly, but it really does work. And it lifts your energy because it's like, oh, okay, now it's time to be home or it's time to go for my run or it's time to go to the gym or it's time to play with the kids. But doing something physical with your uh, attire, it really does help shift things for you. I agree. And if, if she doesn't mind being the weirdo at work, she could try the rice technique. I'm telling you this, I have done this at when I was at the community college and, you know, yeah, people thought I was weird. I'd say mercury is no longer retrograde and they think, what are you talking about? But here's something she could do. You just take two glass jars, like a mason jar would be fine, and you fill them with rice and a little bit of water. And on one jar, you write bad thoughts. And on the other jar, you write good thoughts. And you just sit them up there. And anytime someone is gossiping or you know, complaining, you kind of like nudge the bad thought jar towards them. And anytime someone is talking lovely or saying, gosh, I just had the nicest caller, you nudge the good jar towards them. Wait about a week, sometimes two weeks. Denise, have you done this? It's crazy. No. Weird, funky stuff will grow in the bad jar. Ooh. Yeah. I did this at my, my house too, when my kids got into middle school and were actually junior highs. <laughs> This when my older two were, and they would come home every single day complaining nonstop. I took out my two jars and I labeled it. And every time they'd complain, I'd say, hold this jar. And I'd have them hold the bad jar. And about 10 days later, I took pictures of it. I posted it on the Psychic Teachers page years, because it was a long time, maybe five years ago. But funky, weird black stuff grew in the bad jar. And it might be a neat way for her fellow dispatchers to see that this is actual energy, even though it's invisible to us. It's actually, if it can affect rice and water, and we're mainly water, it might help some of those gossipy coworkers to realize what the effect of their energy is. And if that's too weird, another weird thing is you could take a yellow lemon and just stick it in the office. Have you heard of, that's an old metaphysical trick. And if, if the lemon turns weird and different colors it shows that there's negativity in the room those are all great great suggestions thank you our next one hi samantha and denise huge fan and loyal listener how far back do our ancestors on the other side go do they eventually move on beyond that realm or do we have like prehistoric ancestors watching over us i'm just curious if there's a limit to the times you're reincarnated and what has happened to the souls of cave people and earlier beings thanks so much as a medium, the furthest I've ever gone back is great, great, greats. And so that would be X amount of generations. 
I've connected with family lineage back to, say, 1600s, 1700s, very, very, very rarely. I've never gone back any further than that. I've asked a lot of other mediums. So my answer is I don't know. As far as reincarnation, I think that that, from what I've understood, can be limitless. Now, sometimes when I'm doing a reading and doing mediumship work, I'll get a flash of something that feels related to someone, especially if there's a propensity for that person to have strong, strong intuitive gifts or mediumistic gifts. A lot of times I'll connect with someone in spirit who will show me that genetic lineage that this person carries, and that will go back, and there's no way to validate that because it goes back past what people may know in their family line. Um, So I don't know. Or another consideration is, have we evolved since that time of being cave people where we have, we would be downloading a different skill set of survival versus the way we function now so it's not relevant for the way we're functioning in this realm? I really don't know. That's where I think, but you know, I've I've never smoked marijuana and yet I feel like if we were to ruminate on this topic for more than an hour, I would need to start because <laughs> here's how I look at it. Yes, the farthest I've been able to go back is great grades. And I remember one night when my youngest, Chloe, was born. She was in the bassinet next to my bed. She was probably two or three weeks old. I woke up in the middle of the night, you know, as you do with the new mom. And she was sleeping peacefully, but there was this short little man leaning over her bassinet, singing an Irish lullaby to her. And I knew it was Gaelic because I had heard Gaelic before. And I sat up in bed and I looked at him and he looked at me and made the shh sound, you know, symbol with his finger. And then he disappeared. Well, a couple of years later, my sister-in-law had brought an old photo album she had found. And I figured out that that man was Chloe's great, great grandfather on her paternal grandfather's side it was him and it freaked me out i was like whoa has he not reincarnated so i agree with you that if we can trace our ancestors back to cave people days i would think that they would have evolved to a state hopefully by this point where they wouldn't need to keep coming back and have moved on to other dimensions or or higher planets or higher whatever But this is where I get all confused in my head because science, I posted some articles about this on our Facebook page, science is starting to prove that time really is a made-up thing and that there could be past, present, and future happening all at once. And doesn't that just make your head go all misty? It does. And that's been, I mean, just a, a very simplistic example of that is Eckhart Tolle and the power of now is that everything's happening in this moment Mm -hmm. in multiple dimensions that all our lifetimes are running simultaneously. And it makes a kind of sense not to go, we don't, we could go way, way down the rabbit hole with this one, but why can intuitives and psychics so clearly pick up on things that haven't happened yet? We're tapping into something. Right. That is not concrete, but is. Existent somewhere. Right. Because we're, we're picking up the energy of something. It's not just click your heels together three times and wishful thinking. So I find that topic absolutely incredibly um, 
fascinating. But like, you, yes, it does get your head whirling around a little bit when you think about it. Gordon Smith, I think, gave the best explanation that I've heard on this whole reincarnation thing and our loved ones being in heaven. He said, think of it like a DVD that you make copies of. The original DVD stays in heaven, and then the copies come back for reincarnations. Hmm. So if you are praying or talking to or asking for your grandfather to help you, and you're worried that he's reincarnated, don't worry about it because an aspect of your grandfather is in heaven and maybe an aspect of him has reincarnated. And if you believe in the concept of a higher self, that there is an oversoul, that there is a higher version of us that always stays on the other side, I think that kind of makes sense too. Mm -hmm. Our next one says, hello, I just finished listening to your February 3rd podcast about epigenetics and I just want to say, wow, that was fascinating and unfortunately for me, a little too accurate, but I'm feeling empowered by what I learned and can't thank you enough for the information. I actually have something else I wanted to ask you about being an empath. For the last two years, I've been struggling with my coworkers and really not getting along with a few of them. To the point, my one team member and I fight almost constantly. I recently took a Reiki one class and have been performing self Reiki for about three weeks I've noticed I'm more upbeat and not stressing out about work as much or as often. I've had a couple of people say to me that even if I'm quiet and not talking with anyone in the office, they can sense my mood. My husband has also mentioned that he can almost smell my mood before I walk in the front door. Is it possible for me as an empath to project my energy without meaning to? I think the Reiki is helping, but I don't like the fact that I feel completely neutral, yet people may think I'm in a negative mood. Just some help navigating this crazy empath world would help. Thank you. I'm so very glad I found your podcast and feel comfortable asking you. You guys are the best. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know if it's the fact that she's an empath that she's projecting this or if it's the Reiki or a combination of everything. We all have an aura. We all know that. And it extends about seven feet away from our body, seven to ten feet when we start to focus on ourselves and our inner light and our inner energy and lifting and raising and healing it through things like Reiki or just getting in touch with our authentic selves, which I think happens when we honor the fact that we are empathic, that will naturally push out and expand our aura, which means you're not doing this on purpose and I don't even know that you should try to stop it. It's just a natural effect of you lifting and raising your vibrations. And again, even though it's invisible to our naked eye, the aura is very real. We can photograph it. We can measure it. It's, it exists, even though we can't see it. And so when you are lifting your vibrations through Reiki, you are expanding your aura, which means people can sense it even when you don't want them to. So while I understand that that can feel uncomfortable, it's really such a positive thing and such a wonderful indicator of all the good work you're doing. You can do some psychic protection techniques to shield from that. My favorite for this type of situation would be the invisibility cloak, where you just visualize putting on a cloak that makes you invisible, and then people won't be able to pick up your energy as, you know, intensely. That's true. It also speaks of the fact that she's as sensitive to their energy as they are to hers, and I wonder if that's part of this projection as well. But... And my my gut feeling on this is that this person who wrote in has a very, very strong energy, maybe in a position where 
other people are impacted by decisions he or she may make in the work environment. But there's, um, there's a lot to be said for that of protecting yourself and not owning and just being comfortable with what you're bringing to the table. It's important. I do empathize and understand what she says when she says it's uncomfortable, when she's feeling neutral, but people think she's in a negative mood. That happens to me all the time. Huh. Like, I don't have resting bitch face. I hope I don't anyway. But I guess I have resting serious sad face. I don't know. But if I'm just lost in thought or walking through hallways on the way to a class, people will always stop and go, put a smile on your face, little lady. Does that never Mm -hmm. happen to you? It has. It bothers me. Because first of all, if I am in a bad mood or a sad mood, let me be in that mood. Mm -hmm. Right? Don't impose your need for me to be happy all the time, dear little stranger. And, And secondly, just let me be. I don't like it when people do stuff like that. No. You look you look like you're having a rough day. Well, gee, thanks. Like, what do you say to that? So I definitely empathize with that. And I think that's part of being just an introspective person. I don't walk around with a smile plastered on my face 24-7. And I don't think any of us should. No. And it goes back to how much of your personal world do you want to share? If you're going through a lot, and that's what people are picking up on. You know, you could be brutally honest and say, yes, this is going on in my life because X, Y, Z. And that's going to make it really, really uncomfortable. So there's a, there's a very, very fine line with how much do we want to share and let people in, in on and how much do we need to kind of heal ourselves and protect ourselves to get through a situation without other people's comments. But a lot of times I'm feeling just fine, neutral, like she said, mm-hmm. but I'm just not walking around with a perma-smile. And people will say stuff like, you know, why so glum? No, I, and then I have to explain myself. No, I'm not. I was just thinking about the state of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be a little bit glum at times recently. But <laughs> true, true, true. Oh, our, our next one. Hi, hi, ladies. I re- recently found your podcast around Christmas, and I must say I absolutely love it. I love your dynamic with each other, and I love your message. I've always been able to feel things without being able to explain them ever since I was a little girl and, and more so recently. I'm wondering if it's possible to feel someone's sadness from thousands of miles away. I was feeling very sad yesterday and I questioned if it was my sadness and came to the conclusion that it wasn't. I realized that my oldest friend in the world who lives on the other side of the country and I reached out to my oldest friend in the world who lives on the other side of the country and explained that I was feeling that someone in my circle was extremely sad. She was surprised and told me it was her and questioned how I could tune into her sadness from such a distance away. I don't know how to explain it, but felt you could relate. Thanks for listening. Spot on, yes. That happens all the time. When you pick up on someone, you get a flash of them. You That's being empathic. It's being intuitive. It's having strong connections with people. The fact that she's very close to this person, they have a positive cord. Everyone talks about negative cords getting corded, but you can have beautiful, beautiful energy cords with people that you love and care about. And that's going to cause that reciprocity of energy back and forth. There is no distance in energy. This is why studying sacred geometry can be so eye-opening. The foundations of nature are based on the flower of life, which is based on the circle, which is designed, I think, to teach us that we are all connected. 
And there is no distance that separates us. That's all an illusion. And that's one good thing about technology is that it's shown that to us. We can pick up the phone and call someone in China and talk to them right now, even though they're on the other side of the world from where we are. That's the same way energy works. We are all corded to anyone we have ever loved or cared about. And when I say cord, don't think, oh, that's not good. No, there are wonderful, positive cords that we have in our energy to people that we love and care about. When we talk about cord cutting, we're only talking about cords that are filled with negativity, sadness, regret, or guilt, or shame, or unforgiveness. But there are positive cords. And when someone we love is feeling sad, it pulls on that cord, no matter where they are in this world or beyond. And we can feel that. And it works in the positive way too. Sometimes you'll get a really happy feeling and it's someone in your life who may be right next to you, the other side of the world or on the other side. And you suddenly feel really happy and it could just be them feeling happiness and pulling on that cord. Okay, should we take a quick break and tell people about who we are? Sure. Okay, just to remind everyone, I'm Samantha Fay. This is Denise Carell. Don't forget to check us out on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths, because we love hearing from you guys that way. And speaking of, I will read our next question. Sounds good. So yesterday afternoon during my son's nap, I was thinking of my aunt, and while texting my cousins, her children, I was reminiscing about holidays at her house as kids and feeling a bit sad. Out of nowhere, this toy caterpillar in my son's room started playing It's a Small World. I looked in the monitor. He was asleep and the caterpillar was on his bookshelf across the room. A few minutes passed, and it played again. So I went in to take it out as not to wake him. It does not have a replaceable battery. It's one of those toys you just have to squeeze to play music. There's no on or off switch. I texted my sister, who was, quote, weird like me, and I said, I think Aunt Mo is coming through on this stuffed caterpillar. We were having a good laugh about it when it played again. I did this for about an hour on and off without me touching the caterpillar. Finally, it played itself in a continuous loop for about a minute, stopped, and has not played itself since. It still works if I squeeze it. Now, it could be some faulty wires, as my sensible husband thinks. But you know what I think? I think she came to say goodbye, and she finally got to see her nephew. I thanked her for visiting us. I'm so grateful that she gave me this sign. I thought you'd enjoy this story. Because of what you ladies are teaching, I didn't doubt myself. I wasn't even the slightest bit freaked out. Thanks again for all you do, your faithful listener, Megan. I love that email. And it's another example of how people in spirit will find a way to let us know. I personally think that it was very much so her aunt, I have no doubt. (laughs) And just the way that she came through and the connection with the family. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, uplifting little story. Yeah, and again, context. Because if she was just sitting there enjoying a brief respite while her new son took a nap and the caterpillar went off and then she connected this dot, maybe it's my aunt, I'd be like, yeah, maybe. But the fact that she was sitting there thinking about her aunt and texting her cousins as they were reminiscing about all the holidays at her house and then that happened, come on. Right. That's a hello from heaven. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Megan, for sharing that. I love those stories. Yes. Our next little brief comment, um, just wanted to compliment you both on the podcast, especially Empaths and Anxiety. 
and TV shows you can't watch. My family has always teased me kindly and warned me not to watch. It didn't occur to me that it was related to being an empath, which I definitely relate to. Thanks for all the good learnings, Linda. As you become more sensitive, because I do think that this is something that progresses and gets more as we become more comfortable with it, being able to set those boundaries and not make excuses for not wanting to listen to harsh stuff or watch news that unsettles you or watch TV shows that stick with you. Be brave. You'll get through it. <laughs> but don't don't try to make excuses for, for not wanting to be that. And I, I do. It, it is interesting that it's getting even more pronounced as time goes on. You know, though, I wonder if it's becoming more or if it's becoming less. What I mean by that is I think when we are empaths and we don't know it, we tend to put on layers of protection. Picture like an extra winter coat so that when we sit down with the family to watch a reality show where they're all screaming and yelling at each other or we sit down with friends to watch a horror movie or a crime show, we're just putting on more layers of protection and pushing down our empathy that's screaming, this does not feel good. And maybe as we start to own who we really are and accept I'm an empath, we're taking off those layers, you know? And so it's really a process of becoming, I don't, well, I guess becoming less sounds awful, but do you know what I mean? It's like taking off all those masks and just being who you are and honoring this is who I am and this is how I feel. And I don't like watching stuff like this because it doesn't make me feel good. Mm -hmm. I think so many of us go throughout our day and we're just not paying attention to those subtle signs and cues and when we start to wake up and go, oh, wait, everything is energy. I'm energy. This energy on this TV show is not making me feel good. Then we can pull off another mask or another winter coat of protection. And that's when our light really shines. Our next one says, your show has been instrumental to my healing journey and I can't thank you enough. Sometimes I worry when I have a negative feeling or vibe from someone, especially someone I might have just met, that I'm being, that I'm being too judgmental. And since I wear my heart on my sleeve, I come across that way. I tend to shut down, become markedly aloof, and I'm worried my behavior is hurting these people. Last night, I was out at a local bar with my husband and another couple seeing our friend's band play. I should add that I happen to be a musician too and have humbly received some notoriety on our local scene. Anyways, this guy whom I met in passing at my last performance happened to be there and he really creeped me out. He gave me a hug, which I did not really welcome, seeing as I only met the guy once, and he held the embrace just a little too long for comfort. I also started feeling extremely nauseous out of nowhere as he continued to talk to me. My husband was close by, but didn't think I was in any kind of trouble because aside from the hug, this guy really wasn't doing anything inappropriate. He asked me about my music, and as I gave dismissive one-word answers, hoping he would leave me alone, I continued to feel more and more sick, nauseous, and lightheaded. I told my husband I didn't feel well and I needed to go outside. At this point, I felt like I was actually about to throw up. So I practically ran outside the bar and told my husband everything. Now, my husband supports me 100%, but is still learning about this empath stuff and sometimes accuses me of overreacting and attributes this bad feeling to anxiety, which I do struggle with. After a few minutes, I felt better and decided I could go back in. The guy came up to us and apologized for making me feel uncomfortable, to which I lied and told him he wasn't. Then he insisted that I acted really uncomfortable when he was talking to me and that all he was doing was talking to me, so I needn't worry. At this point, I'm so embarrassed 
and the same sick feeling starts to come back. Okay, do you see the pattern that this guy does? He makes her uncomfortable. Then he makes her uncomfortable for feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I try to brush it off and apologize to him saying, I'm just really tired and out of it. Thank God we ended up leaving the bar shortly after. I asked my girlfriend who was performing that night and my other girlfriend who was with us what they thought of the guy and they both felt he was harmless. So am I crazy? Is this just some lonely man who was innocently looking to make small talk with me and support my music and I came across as some priss who was too good to talk to him? Or was my intuition really trying to tell me to stay the hell away from this guy? If someone gives you a sick feeling, does that mean they are really a bad person? Or could they just be struggling themselves with anxiety and depression and you could be picking up on their imbalances? I keep replaying this in my head and I was hoping you could offer some insight. Well, I read this email and responded to her, Denise, and I'd love to hear your feedback too. But I told her, no, she is not crazy and that we need to trust those feelings. When you're around someone who is sad and depressed and anxious, and you're an empath, typically you'll feel sad, depressed, and anxious. But when you're around someone who is hiding the inner creep, and you feel nauseous and lightheaded and almost claustrophobic like you have to get out there, that is your intuition, your sixth sense telling you, hello, this is a survival skill we learned back in the caveman days that we were just talking about, and you need to listen to this. And so I recommended that she read a book written in the 90s by Gavin DeBecker called The Gift of Fear. And it's all about how, you know, women especially need to listen to that voice. And he writes in there how culture has kind of beat that, that inner voice of truth out of us by telling little girls to be nice. And when boys creep you out, it's just, oh, boys will be boys. And so the whole book is about honoring that gift of fear and, uh, and listening to that intuition. And if someone creeps you out, there's a reason. I feel very strongly about that. Yes, I, I truly believe you should always honor that because even if everyone else isn't feeling it and you are, there's a strong, strong reason it's resonating with your energy that way. And if someone is anxious or depressed, it's going to feel different. You're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel depressed. And as empaths, that's as we fine tune this more and more, we are able to differentiate between is this mine, is this yours? And I think that that's a really, really important skill to work on for all of us. And I'm certainly not even remotely close to being able to do that on a regular basis. I don't think any of us are because there's always that person that presents one way and then we find out later on there's someone else. I think the fact that she had these red flags, I agree, that's instinctual. That's your, your intuitiveness. That's uh, either that or that person's energy is triggering something else that she's remembering from a similar energy from someone else. And I know that sounds a little twisted, but a lot of times if you meet someone and then you find out later on that they have similar tendencies or patterns or whatever to someone else that you've had a situation with, that can feel very similar. But I agree 100%. Trust your gut. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. If it feels off to you, it's off. And no, not crazy at all. Amen. End of story. Listen to your gut. Yes. Okay. I think we have time for one more. Okay. Perfect. Um, hello. I first wanted to thank you all for the work you put into each podcast episode. I've learned so much and look forward to each one. I Recently listened to your episode on Archangels and enjoyed it greatly. I listened to another podcast, Mediums in Action, several weeks ago, and they're saying that we can't communicate directly to angels, especially the archangels, unless we follow very specific criteria 
that no one has been able to do. So I'm confused because all that you've said and research doesn't support their view, and they state their view is based off research as well. I'm more convinced that as spiritual beings, we can communicate with them and that there are many people that do. Is there a resource where I could learn more about this that you consider to be a valid place to gain more clarity? Thank you for your time and any help with this. My personal way of looking at this is that we can all connect with angels. I mean, I believe that on an energetic level, we can research. You can always find a pro and a con for any belief you have that will validate how you see it. I'm not discounting what the other podcast said in any way at all, but I don't, my, my own personal way of looking at this is that angels, and this is a little little religious, but it's what I truly believe. Angels are a gift from God to help us while we're here and they're here to help us and they're, they're always there listening and ready. So I don't think I should have to go through um, any specific, for me, it's a very telepathic, heartfelt connection with the angelic realm. I agree. And, you know, maybe they were talking about John D and his psychic friend, Ed. Oh, I'm going to forget his last name. But anyway, Queen Elizabeth, the first astrologer, John D tried very hard to connect with the archangels and together they were able to channel the Enochian angelic alphabet. So maybe they were talking about connecting with the archangels in terms of magical stuff, because that has been very hard to prove. But I think there's so much evidence all around us in books throughout. I mean, when she said, could you recommend a resource? I was like, um, like a hundred, because there's so many books written on people who have been helped by angelic intervention. So I just think the, the proof is in the pudding. I've had my own experiences with angels and archangels. You have. Our first listener did. Several other listeners have written in. I, I just think they are here to help us. And it's not, I think we as humans, we have to categorize everything. We have to put everything into a hierarchy. And so, yeah, we humans have impressed this hierarchy of the angels onto a system just to help us understand it. There's no way that Archangel Raphael is up there going, excuse me, little one, asking for a healing. I am an archangel. Who mm -hmm. do you think you're talking to? You know, no. If you pray in sincerity and you ask and you surrender with all of your heart for help and assistance, it will be answered. There's no special process or magical words you have to say. It's from your heart to their heart. That being said, and that's the way I see it as well, if what someone else is saying resonates more strongly with your belief system and the way it feels more correct for you, then that's what you should follow. Yeah. Because I, I personally, again, think this is an incredibly, um, personal is the only word I can come up with for this. We can go to any major religion, we can research, we can do these things, but what feels right to you? It goes back to our last question, trust your gut. And if what, someone else is saying feels more correct or stronger or m more beneficial for you to make this connection with the angelic realm, then by all means, please follow what, what feels right and true to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But do read some books on, on angels and read some of the stories or just subscribe to the Earth Angels magazine that Guidepost puts out. Every month you get a magazine filled with stories being touched, of people being touched by angels and helped by them. And I just, for me, it's very uplifting to know that we have all this help around us and all we have to do is ask.
So yes. yeah, very, very personal opinion. But my personal opinion is based on very hands-on experience as well. We would love to hear more of your angel stories. So if you have any angelic encounters you've experienced, please feel free to email them or message us on Facebook. And we look forward to sharing more questions and stories. I'm looking through my printout. Denise, we have like a lot of questions we didn't get to. True. So hopefully we will get to these next month and have even more wonderful stories to share from all of you listeners. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. As always, don't forget to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.